0: one 9646 is the number to get a hold of Savan. Anytime, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots of stuff to get through today. We will touch on the injury calculator and a couple other websites you should be aware of. James Fireman here, also from the firm. James, thanks for coming back today, fella. Good to have you last week as well. Thank you very much, John. Slowly taking over the gig. Yeah, What's I see that, that, hey, John? Yeah, he's moving in. Watch well, out. You know, always need a twin. <laughs> Oh Although I'm better looking, I think we established that (laughs) last show. He's just shaking his head. What do you got got going on this week, pal?
1: Okay, so John, just uh, so people understand out there, it's not just a show that we're doing, we actually speak at a lot of different Mm. events, and actually there's an event coming up uh, within the industry, uh, a disability insurance law conference that James is going to be speaking at on October 18th. Uh, We were invited to uh, speak about long-term disability in the context of mental health claims, And that's something that people really need to understand that when it comes to long-term disability, it's not just the physical uh, injuries or Mm -hmm. illnesses that can prevent you from working. Oftentimes, there are uh, psychological issues that you can have PTSD, you can have uh, different phobias, anxiety, depression, anything like that that prevents you, that disables you from working so long as you have the medical backup. You have practitioners, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, someone who's treating you who can say that those illnesses, those issues are disabling you from working, then you should have a proper and legal Mm -hmm. claim for long-term disability. And if the insurance company comes back saying, we don't believe you or uh, we simply think that these issues are not that bad, that's when you give us a call. Because we essentially level the playing field, uh, field with the insurance company. You don't have to take them on on your own. So you know, if you're in that situation, make sure you give us a call and we will help you. We deal with these kinds of cases day in and day out. They're not difficult to resolve.
0: one is the number. Uh, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Got some cases to go through today? We, we have got? some cases, Good.
1: but let's talk about that website first mm-hmm. of all, mydisabilityquestions.com. There was a question that was posted by someone from Ottawa, and here's the question. Uh, you're not going to believe this, John. Mm-hmm. Here's what the person wrote. My claims adjuster for my LTD has just threatened me saying that she will do anything In her power to make sure that I'm back at work by February no matter what the question then is can they threaten someone like that no they can't they can't it's completely inappropriate it's unprofessional and oftentimes people who are dealing with LTD insurers they know that they are being dealt with unprofessionally Uh, there is coercion there is intimidation and really at the end of the day you are trying to get better you're trying to get back on the horse you're trying to get back to your job so not only are you dealing with your own issues, but you're also dealing with an adjuster that you feel is acting towards you in an unprofessional way and in a way that, you know, really is, is, is you know, it's intimidating, totally. right? Very, yeah. very intimidating. Uh, once you come to us, once you have us represent you, the adjuster is not allowed to contact you. We deal with the adjuster. So you can just focus on getting better. So to that person who submitted that question, I immediately responded saying, absolutely not exclamation point. If you're in that situation and you're having those issues with an adjuster, give us a call, let us deal with the adjuster.
0: That uh, injurycalculator.ca's website, let's get into that quickly before we uh, take our first break. Tell me something about it.
1: The injurycalculator.ca. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a tool we created a few years ago and it was born out of people calling us because they've been injured mm-hmm. in let's say a car accident, a slip and fall, and any 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 type of of an accident where you've suffered an injury. Because of someone's negligence, someone else was at fault, okay? And people call us and they say, okay, well, does it make sense for me to go through a legal process, through the legal claim? Uh, What can I expect to get? And the majority of lawyers out there, uh, so you're going to find two types of lawyers or advertisements. Some lawyers out there are going to tell you that for your little broken pinky, you're going to recover a million bucks. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's nonsense. It's nonsense. (laughs) But then you're going to have the lawyers who are extremely conservative and they're not going to tell you anything, Here's what the reality is. Every case is different. That said, the pain and suffering component of compensation when you're dealing with personal injury, that the majority of lawyers that do personal injury, they have an idea by asking you certain questions about your injury, uh, particularly when some time has passed and we can see how your injuries have crystallized. Let's say you had a car accident last year, a year, two years later, we can see that you're still Uh, suffering from back pain, maybe you had a concussion and the concussive symptoms haven't gone away, we can give you an estimate, an idea of what the value is of the pain and suffering uh, component of your claim. So that's what that calculator was meant to do. We've essentially inputted within the calculator the case law, Canadian cases from across the country uh, where other people in your situation who've been injured can go in, input a few key pieces of information, your age, where the accident happened, the type of injury, the severity of the injury. And the calculator essentially goes through an algorithm and figures out the range for the pain and suffering that you could potentially be entitled to. Now, that's not to say that if you go in there and it tells you that your injury is worth fifty to $70,000, that's what you're going to get at the yeah. end of the day. In fact, we've gone through some examples before, John, where, you know, somebody who has a broken ankle may be entitled to thirty, 000, forty, 000, fifty thousand $50,000 for their pain and suffering, but now they can't work or they have difficulty working, So maybe now they will have an income loss claim for $300,000. But the calculator is free, it gives you a starting point, it's been used thousands of times, we can track this, and at the end, when you get the result, there is a button that you can just press if you want to have a consultation. And one-on-one with us, it's free, That we can give you a more precise assessment of your particular case. And again, give you your options so you can figure out how you want to proceed.
0: Injurycalculator.ca is the website or call 1-888-990-9646 for more details. Lots more to go. We'll take a quick break. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, Mayhem 640. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. Help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. Your questions and emails coming up very shortly. We we'll want to run through a couple more cases uh, with you, Savannah, before we get to James here on the show again this week. Here's another question that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. Mm-hmm. For people out there who don't
1: know the site, it's a free question and answer site if you have a disability claim. Go on it, search for your questions, you'll probably see your question had, probably has been uh, asked before and answered. I'm the one who's answering them, you'll get an answer within minutes. So here's the question from uh, this lady in Milton, she writes, My LTD claim uh, through Sun Life has been denied. My doctor says I'm not in any condition to resume work and has sent up uh, all up-to-date reports supporting my claim, but I was still denied. Do I have a claim? The answer is yes. If your doctor is supporting you being off work and you had LTD coverage, right? People sometimes forget that you actually have to have this coverage. Otherwise, you can't make a claim because you don't have that insurance. But if you have LTD coverage, it usually comes through work, uh, and your doctor supports you being off work and you've been denied, Don't simply walk away. Don't. Just give me a call, email me, let me take a look. Within a few minutes, I will tell you if you have a case or not. If you don't, and that happens sometimes, then I'll tell you. Don't waste your time. But if you do have a claim, then you'll know you have a claim, and then you can... Act on mm-hmm. that legal option,
0: right? And you know, let's bring the insurance company to the table sure. and pay you the compensation you deserve. 1-888-990-9646. Again, that number. If you haven't been there, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be and could be. Go on.
1: Here's an interesting uh, question I was um, uh, that I saw on the website again. Mydisabilityquestions.com. Uh, this one comes from uh, an individual in Richmond Hill. He says, I was in a car accident last year. I was approved for LTD and received some payments, which stopped once I exceeded the eligible disability benefits with my earnings from a work-sponsored return-to-work program. That's a mouthful. He says, unfortunately, my health declined during the return-to-work program, but my LTD claim was closed. I have applied for recurrent reason to reopen the LTD claim, but it has been denied. I need to appeal this decision. So, first of all, when you're denied or cut off LTD, you do not appeal that denial or cut off, okay? It's just going to be a detour. You're going to get nowhere. Give us a call. Let us help you or tell you what your options are. Now, he's mentioning something interesting here, and that does happen often. What happens if you are on LTD and uh, you try to go back to work, the insurance company is telling you, the adjuster is telling you, you know, there's no harm in it. There is a recurrence provision. We'll talk about that in a second. Go go back to work, try, and worst case scenario, you'll go back on LTD. You won't have to go through this entire application right. process. And so this is what this individual, seems like that's what he did, but then when he tried to go back on LTD because he wasn't successful at the return to work program, he was told no yeah, by the insurance company. Yeah. So you know, the majority of LTD policies have what's called a recurrence clause. What does that mean? It means that if you return to work but you're unable to continue working, uh, because of that same disability, uh, which is the reason why you initially applied for that LTD coverage, you will not have to submit to a new application. In other words, you don't have to go through the whole thing over again. You simply contact the adjuster, tell them you're unable to do it. Uh, they verify that with your employer and you can make a recurrent claim. And usually you have about six months. That's usually the time frame to do that. But what happens in many cases is that people do that in good faith because they are trying Trying to to do the right thing. Exactly, they're Mm -hmm. trying to get back into the workforce. And then when they're unable to, suddenly they're shut out by the insurance company. And so now they try to go back to work. They probably made their employer angry because they haven't been able to go back. And the insurance company is saying, hold on for a second, that safety net that we had for you back then, remember that? Well, that's gone now. And so people feel like a fish out of water. There's Mm -hmm. nothing they can do. There's no income coming in that's when it's absolutely imperative to give us a call and to email us to let us know what's going on so we can advise you on how to deal with it. You know, people have to be very careful with this return to work process. You have to set it up in such a way such that if you're unable to go back to work, then, you know, we can go to the insurance company and say you have to accept this person back under the recurrence provision because many people are left out in the cold and again, that's very, very traumatic, John. They think that there have no legal options, and the, uh, the, the, the reality is that they absolutely do. And it speaks to you know, knowing your policy in and out. Go through that. That's thing, right. You know, that's read right. that thing. Rem- Especially remember, stuff like that. Exa- your relationship with the insurance company is contractual, right. it's governed by the contract. The contract is the policy. So oh. the insurance company has to act, they have obligations under that policy. All we're doing when you're coming to us is we're reviewing the policy, the contract. And if we think you have a claim, what we're telling you is that, in our opinion, the insurance company broke their obligations or did not fulfill their obligations under the contract. And we're going to use the law to force them to the table. And they will come to the table and they will agree to resolve your case. Because otherwise, they face significant legal expenses... And they face a, the potential of a judge down the road
0: rebuking them and forcing them to pay what they ought to have paid in the first place. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer. say. Lots more coming up. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's talk radio, AM six forty. One triple eight nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Email is help at the insurance lawyer. say. Some questions, some emails coming your way. James, we'll, uh, we'll bring you on, pal. Here's uh, your first question for the day. You can uh, machete your way through this one. So, insurance 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 companies sometimes use surveillance, as we know, to show a person that uh, they're not really disabled, they're out there filming. Are they allowed to do that? And does that mean, you know, game over
2: for the disabled person if they use that kind of tactic? Well, surveillance is a pretty common intimidation tactic. This is what Sivan's been talking about. Um, You know, they want to make you feel like uh, the odds are stacked against you and that um, whatever you do, they're going to be working to try and uh, deny your claims. Um, The the simple answer is that they're allowed to do it, um, but it certainly does not mean game over, um, as the question asks. Um, Usually, uh, from a legal standpoint, it doesn't matter at all. Uh, And I say that because... As long as you have been truthful uh, at every step of the litigation, when you're talking to me, when you're talking to other lawyers, when you're talking to your doctors, um, and as long as the information that the insurance company has is consistent with the truth, uh, then whatever they have by way of surveillance doesn't matter. Let me give you an example, John. Um, Let's say you've been injured and your doctor has said it's going to be really helpful for you if you go to the local pool and swim for half an hour a week. So you do that. And then they hire an investigator to go and videotape you. And as part of that surveillance, there you are every week, every Tuesday, going in and out of the pool, you know, one half hour um, apart. And does that matter? Well, no. Your doctor has told you to do that. That's what you've said that you can do. However... If, when you're asked, you say, Oh, I can't do anything, you know, I can't get out of bed and, you know, I need help bathing myself, well, then you might have a problem. But as long as you're truthful, the surveillance does not matter at all. And in fact, there are a lot of cases where they'll do surveillance and it will actually strengthen your case. Wow. When they do surveillance, they're required to tell me that they've done it. And if they've done five days worth of surveillance and all they have is a video of you once going out for 20 minutes to go get a slice of pizza, and that's it. In five days, they've spent a few thousand dollars trying to get information on you, and that's all they have. I'm going to tell the jury, if it goes that far, that they hired an investigator, and the jury isn't going to be very happy with that, um, to follow you around. And all they've got was you doing basically nothing basically nothing. Um, And that won't sit well and they know that. It's basically just proving your case. But generally they they, they can feast on stuff and they find the swimming pool thing. Without a doubt they're going to feast on that. It might go nowhere as you say, right? Oh, they'll try to. They'll try and make it into a big deal. But as long as as that's what you've been told to do and you've been honest about it all the way through, that goes nowhere. They might as well have a video of you having a ham sandwich. It (laughs) doesn't matter. I'm in. Well, actually on the point of who they have to disclose it to, that's actually
1: an interesting point. You said to you, Right? To the individual who's actually uh, the disabled person, it's not to them that the insurance company has to produce this. It's when we start a legal claim that under the rules of procedure, the insurance company can't hide anything. Interesting. So that's another advantage of actually having us represent you in that the insurance company actually has to produce all of that. They can't hide behind anything and you know, you don't
0: have any any landmines that are lying about because they have to produce everything. It is help at the insurance lawyer.ca through email James, we'll get to one and uh, throw it towards you. Jim says my sister's thirty five is suffering from PTSD because of a family tragedy two years ago. She's been denied long term disability twice now after the last appeal was denied. A family friend who is a lawyer offered to help but he's a real estate lawyer. I'm wondering if we should have someone with expertise in this area
2: help us. Can uh, can he do it? Jim, let me start by saying I'm very sorry to hear about your sister. I've certainly had many clients uh, that have suffered from PTSD and obviously can be very difficult to treat. Um, and it can be very difficult for you as well. Um, To answer your question, uh, your sister's case is certainly not something that you want handled by a real estate lawyer. It's sort of the same thing as going to see a psychiatrist if you break your ankle. It just doesn't make any sense. You want somebody who has expertise in that area. Um, So the first thing any lawyer with any experience in this area is going to tell you um, is don't waste your time with the appeal. Um, That's just... Uh, in there, the insurance company puts it in there because they know that as long as you think that they're reconsidering uh, their decision, you're not going to go see a lawyer. And if it takes you long enough to see one, you're going to miss the limitation period and you're not going to have any options at that point. The appeal is a waste of time. Uh, My biggest concern then is making sure that your sister's claim is started uh, within the limitation period. And just to explain what that means... In in Ontario, uh, you have two years from the date of your injury to be sure that the defense is not entitled to use a limitation defense. Uh, beyond that, it can get very difficult. So you always want to make sure that within two years mm-hmm. you bring your claim. Jim, you, you really want to just make sure that uh, your sister isn't going to miss a limitation period. In your email, you mentioned that the PTSD started as a result of a family tragedy that happened about two years ago presumably um, whenever she would have went off work as a result of that, of the PTSD, that's when the two years is going to kick in. And as long as that two years hasn't passed yet, she's probably going to be okay. But you don't want to wait around on it. You want to act now. Um, So come see me or Savon and we can get you started on that right away.
0: Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of those coming up. Some questions as well. The number to contact, one 990 9646 We continue more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640. 990 9646 is the number. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, you'll want to find out what your pain and suffering component of your claim should be. Could be injurycalculator.ca as well. We'll get to an email from... uh, Alyssa Savannah, I'll throw this one your way. Uh, Was on long-term disability for loss of vision and just got a call last week from my adjuster saying that my benefits will end in two months because I can do other jobs. I used to work as an analyst and my vision is so poor now I can't even drive and need help around the home. Really concerned about getting cut off LTD. Can you help me? What should I do?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yep. I need to understand a bit more. I need to understand whether or not uh, you have the, an optometrist, ophthalmologist, some kind of a specialist that's dealing with your vision loss, and whether or not uh, there are any aids that you can use to help you do some kind of a job, whether it's your job or any other job. Ultimately, though, vision loss is no different than psychological issues, no different than a back issue. There's no difference. If you're unable to work as a result of a disability, which can arise from illness, it can arise from an injury, whatnot, you can't work, you have a specialist supporting you, the insurance company should not be cutting you off. And when your adjuster is telling you, heads up, we're going to cut you off in a few months, don't wait those few months. Give us a call now. We've had cases, John, where we've interceded. What we've done is we've emailed the adjuster. We didn't charge the individual for this, by the way. We just did this... Uh, as a service, I would say, right? Uh, Helping uh, people out there who are in financial uh, difficulties. And what we've done is we've emailed the adjuster and we told the adjuster, just a very short email, look, we've spoken with this individual, we reviewed their medical documents, we disagree with your uh, decision to cut them off, LTD. And you know, we've had cases where the adjusters backed off. They literally said, we've reviewed everything again, And we've come to a different decision. Now, that's not an appeal. That's us basically putting what I call a legal gun to their head Mm -hmm. because they understand that if they do take the ultimate step of cutting the person off or they maintain their position and say that person will get cut off, they're going to get a legal claim from our office within a matter of days. And many adjusters just don't want to have to deal with that because then they have to explain that to the higher-ups. Sometimes it doesn't work. But why not take the, the opportunity and give us a call, email us, let us tell you if we can help you in that regard. So, you know, Alisa, give me a call, email me, contact me, let me review your documents. Let's have a chat for five minutes, and I'll tell you what your legal options are.
0: That number, 188 990 9646 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Throw another question at you, Savan. So what happens here? You're off sick. Your employer lets you go during that time while you're off sick. Can you still apply for LTD, even though you've just been let go from the company? Yes, absolutely you can. Remember, the question is, when did you become disabled?
1: If you became disabled while you were still employed, right, right, right. while you still had coverage, then Yes. The majority of policies out there ask if the disability arose while you had coverage. Well, of course, while you had coverage, but were you employed at the time? And in this case, yes. If you were employed, you were let go, but your disability arose before you were let go? Absolutely. And sometimes, by the way, the disability arises during the notice period, right? So you're let go, you're you're offered severance, and during that time, that's when you become disabled. There is an argument that you you, you sh- uh, still should qualify for LTD. And remember, there is a side issue here, which we always deal with as well, right? We have lawyers at the firm that deal with employment issues, and that's one of the strengths of the firm, that we have lawyers that deal with both employment and disability and injury, so that we can all work at the same time together. Remember, if you're let go because you're disabled or while you are disabled, potential human rights yeah. issues as well, right? So very, very important to give us a call if that happens, because then we can deal with both the employment side as well as the disability side. And again, the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. Those are separate claims, but they're all being handled under the same roof. Okay, we have an interesting case. Mm-hmm. Uh, this individual, give me a call. It's an it's another LTD case. Uh, he's an assistant manager. He's an arborist, okay? So it's a very or physical job. Yep. Exactly. Uh, He received a letter from his LTD insurer close to the two-year mark, saying that he's going to be cut off, that he doesn't qualify beyond the two-year marks for LTD. Uh, He's been diagnosed with congestive heart failure. He's got back issues, as you can understand, obviously, from the kind of job that he does. Uh, And he has a cardiologist. He has a sports medicine doctor, both of whom support him being off work. You know, and John, to boot, this guy has been in the military in the past for six years, so he's a vet. Right? So you're talking hmm. about somebody who's not trying to work the system. You're tr- talking about somebody who's right. legitimately unable to work. And here you have an insurance company that's taking advantage of him being in that dire situation and telling him he's going to get cut off. Now let's talk about that two-year mark. What does that mean? We talk about, uh, about this a lot, and a lot of people are still having questions, so let's clarify it. In the majority of LTD cases, to qualify for long-term disability for the first two years, the test is can you do your own job? That's the definition really or the criteria for uh, 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 being totally disabled under the policy. The majority of policies then have that turnaround, that mark at the two years point where the question then becomes no longer can you do your own job, can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education or experience? So it's a wider test. It's more difficult to meet. It means also you need your doctors to provide more reports, updated reports and the, and the, the, the... Opinions are giving are not only with respect to your job; they're with respect to any job. And what's the common uh, example that we give, John? It's the orthopedic surgeon, right? Uh, orthopedic surgeon injures his or her hand for the first two years. The question is, can they operate? Right? Can they yes. do their job? Okay, so they can, so therefore they qualify. So then the question is, at the two-year mark, can they do anything else with their training experience and education? Well, they can go and teach in medical sure. school. So therefore, the fact that they can't operate doesn't mean that they're going to qualify for LTD. So that's what that means. So this individual who called us, again, my question to him was, why are they cutting you off? And do you have medical support that says that you can't do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? And his answer was yes. Uh, And we looked at the medical documents. They supported that. And we're going to be able to help him. And guess what? We're going to be able to get the insurance company to the table, despite the fact that they pretty much wrote him off, uh, because they should not have written them off, and we explained everything to him. He feels a lot more uh, comfortable now with his legal options. And by the way, that's another thing, right? People in those situations feel like they have absolutely no options. They feel like they are up against a billion-dollar company. How, how, you know, in the world can I take on this this company? Well, again, remember these insurance companies are not above the law. They are playing a game with you. It's a poker game. It's a numbers game. They simply assume that out of nine people or so out of ten people that they deny claims, nine of them are just going to walk away. Sure, they cast a wide net, why not? Exactly, and they close the files, and they're mm-hmm. holding the money, right? People who call us, literally within five minutes of talking to them, of reviewing some of their documents, we can tell you if you have a case or not. So it's extremely empowering, and, you know, and at the end of the day, you can choose if you want to proceed with a claim or
0: not, but at least you've made the effort to understand and to know what your legal options are, one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number again. Help at the lawyer.ca through email and have a look at mydisabilityquestions.com. And you got a moment back here with uh, Savannah and James. We'll answer some questions and some more emails after we take a, a short break. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM six forty. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. It is help at the insurance lawyer.ca along with Savan James Fireman from the firm is here helping out, answering your questions and emails. Another one for you here, uh, uh, James from George is right since Says my wife was hurt almost two years ago when she was crossing the street on a green light and a car making a left hand turn hit her. She suffered a TBI and hasn't been able to go back to work as an accounts receivable clerk. By the way, earning about forty five k a year. Uh, she goes for treatments, but is very depressed and hardly goes out of the house. What can we do? Sure. Uh, can she claim compensation
2: and for what? Uh, thank you very much for the email, George. Um, I, you know, I am very sorry to hear about your wife. Uh, but the good news is that there is plenty that I can do to help her. The first concern I'm sure that you have is about your wife's health, of course. And I'm obviously not a doctor and I'm not going to give medical advice, but that doesn't mean I can't help with her recovery. And here's how. Whenever we have a client that's been injured, uh, we like to have them seen by experts in order to build the evidence in their case. And so we have a roster of expert medical doctors, some of the best doctors in Canada in their various fields. And as part of the litigation process, We're going to send your wife to go see whichever doctors are relevant. Um, In this case, it could be um, a neuropsychiatrist um, or someone else. And what they're going to do is they're going to take a full medical history. They're going to review your wife's entire medical file. And then they're going to provide us with a report. And part of that report is going to be um, a prognosis and recommendations for treatment. Essentially, it's a roadmap for your wife's recovery. And my process includes providing a copy of that report to your family doctor because your family doctor is a person in the best position to make sure that all of these treatment recommendations are adhered to and that your wife has the best possibility of recovering. So from a medical standpoint, um, that's a really big thing that we can do to help. Now from a legal standpoint, obviously there's a lot that can be done as well. The, the first thing um, that uh, most people want to understand is what can you recover for. Okay. Um, certainly, you can recover for your pain and suffering. Um, you can recover for any lost income, including any lost pension that you have as well. Uh, your medical expenses, anything that you're out of pocket for, all of that can be recovered as part of as part of a legal claim. Um, the The only other thing I want to touch on here is that uh, you mentioned in your note that it's uh, it was almost two years ago. Um, Again, I've talked about this before. The limitation period is two years, and you really want to make sure that you start your claim before that two years is up. So please come see me right away. It's critical that the claim is issued before the two-year anniversary.
0: That's pretty. That's that's pretty hard. Once you're over that, it's pretty much carved in stone, right? Like it's tough to go back. You really
2: got to do some fancy footwork, right?
0: Can't you don't be. want to be in that situation. You don't want to be. Yeah, just don't do it.
2: It's yeah. listen. And if it's if you have a claim that's past two years, come see me because sometimes there are right. things that can be done but it's much better to not put yourself in that situation, much better.
0: So uh, tell me this then, if if someone who was injured in an accident is unable to go back to work, but instead retrains and does a different job, but with less pay, are they entitled to compensation for the uh, the difference in
2: salary? So this is really about the concept of mitigation. Um, At law, uh, if you've been injured in an accident, you're required to take all reasonable steps to minimize the extent of your loss. That's what mitigation means and so part of mitigation is taking advantage of any treatment that is reasonably available to you. Um, And another part of mitigation is to minimize your loss of income. So this can happen either by returning to your old job if if and when you're able to do so, or as this question contemplates, if you're not able to do so, if your injury is such that you aren't able to return to your pre-accident job, then the mitigation would require you to find something that you are reasonably able to do, given your injuries, uh, or given your injuries and given your education and experience. Now, not everybody is going to be employable at all. Uh, but if you, you know, have suffered a physical injury, but your your experience and your education would permit you to do a sedentary job, then perhaps that's something that you could do. So, what would you be entitled to? Well, yeah. your your entitlement is going to be to the. You're going to be entitled to recover the difference between what you would have earned if the injury had not happened and what you have in fact earned after the injury did happen. So for example, I had a client who was a high school math teacher and she was injured and she had a back injury, wasn't able to return to work, um, and after a few years realized that it wasn't going to happen. So she needed to earn some income, so she went back to work as a personal tutor. Now, it goes without saying a personal tutor isn't going to earn as much as a full-time high school math teacher. So, you know, even though she did return to work, she was still entitled to a loss of income. It's it, it's the difference between what she was earning as a tutor to what she had been or would have earned um, yeah. as a high school math teacher. And that would go for as long as you can prove that that's going to continue into the future. So it could possibly be till the age of 65 when she retires, possibly. It could go longer, too. I wow. mean, listen— it, there was a point in time when you know 65 was a pretty hard cutoff but we're well past that now people routinely work well past the age of 65 and depending on what kind of job you're talking about um, there are certainly arguments that can be made that you can work you know to 70 75 even 80 Um, you know you see it in many different professions it's not always going to be the case but um, you know that is certainly something that we would look at um, in, in each situation
0: Lots more emails, questions coming up. The uh, number is 1-888-990-9646 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, injurycalculator.ca as well. That will give you a number after about I don't know, 30 seconds work. It's all it takes to find out what the pain and suffering component dollar-wise should be and could be with your claim. So check it out again, injurycalculator.ca. So if an email from you from Rosa says, I'm 53, I have arthritis that so prevents me from carrying out my work duties. I provided a letter from my rheumatologist to the insurance company They deny my long-term disability claim because they say that my condition is, quote-unquote, manageable. I don't understand what uh, what they mean. I can't work. What do I do? Well, the first thing that you did do, which is correct, is email me.
1: Because I can tell you I have no clue what that means, that they think that your (laughs) condition is manageable. If your rheumatologist, who is a specialist, says that you're unable to work because of your condition, I'd like to understand exactly why it is that they are taking an opposite view. Do they have a doctor that says something to the contrary? Now, remember, you said here that you provide a letter. What is that letter? Is it a two-liner or is it an in-depth letter, right? Like several paragraphs, a few pages, really detail exactly what it is that you can't work. Remember, it's important to really solidify your claim, to really bring the big guns out, which means that when you go to your doctors and you ask them for an opinion as to whether you can work or not so that you can give that to the insurance company, you're not giving the insurance company a napkin with a one-liner on it that says this patient can't work. That's not enough. The doctor has to provide a lot more meat, a lot more content. At the end of the day, those doctors are treating you. It's not like the insurance doctors that have seen you for half an hour and will never see you again, potentially. And they and even those guys produce for the insurance companies in-depth reports. So let me let me see what you've submitted, Rosa, to the insurance company. It could be as simple as us contacting your rheumatologist, reframing the letter, perhaps asking a few uh, specific questions f- uh, of, of the rheumatologist, having the rheumatologist redraft the letter in a more substantial way that really explains the nature of your disability, and perhaps then your claim will be approved. The reality though, and again, John, many people are in that situation, they feel like, okay, well, I've done my best, I've given... Mm-hmm. You know to the insurance company what my doctors gave me what else can I do? Well contact us. Oftentimes we can resolve these issues, these disputes very quickly because it's an issue it's 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 just an issue of communication and and that's all.
2: One thing Rosa I can tell you also is that if you've gotten that opinion from your rheumatologist from a legal standpoint, you're in a much better position than your insurance company is because I can promise you that the opinion they're relying on is going to be, is not going to be from a rheumatologist. It's almost certainly going to be from a family doctor, Hmm. um, someone who doesn't specialize um, in arthritis. Um, And almost certainly they didn't assess you in person. So the opinion of your treating rheumatologist is going to be much stronger than any opinion that they're relying on. Let's talk about that then because you you
0: mentioned it, James. So it's quite often the fact that the insurance company will, will send you to see one of their doctors um, if you don't follow the recommendations of the insurance doctor in a disability case, can they deny you or cut you off because you haven't? Yeah, they can definitely cut you off and they often do that. Yeah. And in fact, many
1: times when you are asked to go one of the, uh, to, to go see one of the insurance doctors that the insurance company is setting up for you, normally it is because the insurance company is gearing up. Uh, they're trying to find a way to cut you off. Remember, these doctors that the insurance companies want you to see, they're being paid by the insurance companies. Now, they can be the best doctors in the world, medically speaking, but they are working for the insurance company when they are providing these opinions. They're not the best doctors in the world. Well, th- no, but, but hold on. But they can be, right? I mean, you, you can have doctors. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I guess
0: it's true. Right? There's
1: all kinds of doctors. I remember, because you mentioned, James, uh, rightly so, that oftentimes insurance companies will use family doctors. Uh, remember, we spoke a few shows back. It was actually a few months back about um, this client that I had that we had resolved his claim successfully, and he was paralyzed from the uh, right. waist down. Yep. And my, my client had specialists that were saying he is paralyzed yeah. for life. And this kid, I call him a kid, but, you know, a young adult, uh, late 20s, the insurance company was taking the position that uh, he, he, he did not fit the definition of paraplegia. And the doctor they went to is a family physician. Yeah. We're talking about a paralysis case. Yeah. Anyways, that case resolved very favorably for my client. Can't disclose the details, but sure. James is absolutely correct. Insurance companies will often use doctors that don't have the necessary expertise qualifications. And again, that's how we attack the insurance company. That's how we bring them to the tables, uh, to the table, and they submit and they resolve the case. And they resolve. When I say insurance companies resolve the case, come to the table to resolve the case, what I mean is that they are coming to pay. They are coming to write a check for my client, for the money
0: that my client is entitled to mm-hmm. under the law. we got about uh, two minutes to go here. I'll squeeze in one more email for use of comes from Doug says, my mom fell on a wet floor inside a bank a couple months ago, broke her left hip when she fell to the ground. She was in hospital for several weeks and now needs a lot of help at home. I've taken time off work to care for her and will likely need to work a fewer hours to help her going forward. My question is, what, if anything, can I do about lost earnings? So Doug, first of all, kudos to you for taking care of your mom. Uh, It goes without saying
1: that uh, you're doing the right thing here. Legally speaking, uh, there are several issues here. Number one, uh, many people don't realize that when a loved one is injured and then they care for that loved one, and sometimes, as in Doug's case, uh, the person who's caring for the loved one has to work less hours or perhaps even stop working, they are entitled to They're allowed to, under the law, to advance their own claim. Now, what we call call it a derivative claim under the Family Law Act. You can go and Google it. Section 61 of the Family Law Act allows you, as a family member, to advance a claim for uh, the loss of care guidance and companionship, meaning that, you know, Doug, you have a different mother now, an injured mother, so call it, you know, pain and suffering, what you are suffering for the fact that your mother is not the same mother. Uh, That... Uh, uh, legislation, the Family Law Act, also allows you to recover um, and get compensated for the income that you are now unable to learn because you are caring for your mother. I'm not even talking about here what your mother is owed under the law for pain and suffering. And right. by the way, hip fracture, go to injurycalculator.ca right. Input the information, you'll see hip injuries, um, you know, I'm not talking about here who is at fault. Clearly, if there was water on the floor, there could be negligence issues against the bank. But just from a compensation standpoint, if you use the calculator, it'll tell you that hip injuries typically for pain and suffering you could be looking at ninety thousand, a hundred thousand, a hundred and twenty thousand dollars even. I'm not even talking about the the care component. What if she needs a home now? A home that's going to cost her five thousand dollars a month. I mean, just do the math right there. So, Doug, it's a significant claim. I'm really happy that you emailed me. Let's have a chat. Uh, We'll be more than happy to go to your mother's house to meet with you, to meet with her, to really give you the lay of the land, to give you all of your legal options so that you and her can decide how you want to proceed to make sure that she's fully compensated and that you are fully compensated and
0: any of your other family members are fully compensated. Good for another week, fellas. The number as we go is one 888 990 Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. And as uh, Savannah just mentioned, injurycalculator.ca. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.